Good evening. Say <coughs> we're doing our last pour. Then's I would improve at the uh, missile field uh, where they come out with sensors. And if there's lightning within 10 miles, you get kicked off the field. So they've been running on and off the field, and they have a couple of decoys at the gate, but they're pouring, doing the last concrete pour. So can believe for the lightning to stay calm out there at the missile field. Told them we'd give them a word of prayer. <laughs> Donnie Huddleston, who is the program manager uh, for <clears throat> Boeing, he's, he's the man, is, happens to be here, just flew in two days ago, and he really wants to get these finished, so he's helping the crew stand on guard against the people that may want to stop the work. He'll deal with any send ballots that arrive and take them out for a beating, so that's good news. He's the guy you want to have there this particular day. Anyway, tough, tough time to be pouring concrete. Okay, I've got, some, I've got some good news for you tonight. I hope you came ready for some good news. I've needed some good news. Yeah, really needed some good news, so I've been asking the Lord for that. Um, I've, uh, I guess if you were to, you know, <clears throat> first of all, I, I hope that you pondered upon Saturday, the word on Saturday about uh, being delivered from being in love with our own world. Do you remember that? That was really clear. We could, I could just punt that for the rest of service because I'm still working on that. And that really is um, <clears throat> kind of uh, that thought. Uh, about a week ago, I was, I was up, um, and maybe it was a Saturday or something, I remember, but uh, I was just thinking about a lot of, a lot of things, a lot of heavy things, and, and my great lack. And, uh, and I guess I could say if... if more than ever before, I, I'm trying to think of the, the right word, but I think, um, I think disgusted is the right word. I think that I've, I've had a, come to the greatest level of being disgusted with my own self than ever before. Just uh, the realization of where, of how life will go and how I will be separate from the influence of something else. Uh, if you consider where you would be left at and what you would be left with and what you have, the thoughts of your own mind, the word disgusted is what I, I've just been pondering on. And I was just kind of thinking about that and just, you know, as Paul says, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death, right? I, I just, there's so much validity to that. And two words just came barreling through to me. And the words were new creature. That's the good news I have for you tonight. New creature. There is literally only one possible. <laughs> there is only one possible thing that can deliver us and that can offer hope going forward. And that is the new creature. And that new creature, very simply, is who you are in Christ. Very simple. We've discussed this. There is, there is a lot of problems. There is a lot of dark avenues. There is a lot of anxiety ahead if you just want to stay with the life of the mere man. That's, <laughs> there's a lot of disgust. But that is... That is there to, uh, by the mercy of God, I want to say that he lets that hallway grow darker and darker and darker to reveal to me the, the absolute inadequacy, uh, just lack of any, any capacity at all to bring life outside of reaching into the new creature. I am so thankful uh, for that opportunity. 
And we have said this a lot, but I just, I am growing more aware of the fact that there is, um, there really is no light ahead for the improvement of mankind. There's, there's no light ahead on the path of me getting better. That's what I want to say. Me getting better, that has proven to be a losing strategy. I mean, we've done, I've done a lot of things. I mean, if you have essayed to take one habit in your life and just change it, and there's a few things that you can resolve to do, but things of significance of the soul, if you've just decided to tackle one of those just by resolve, uh, if you've won on one of those, come talk with me after service. Because there, there just is no self-sourced capacity to make a good step forward towards betterment. I don't know how else, what are the words to use here? There's just, there's no way. There, there's no way and there's no how to extricate ourselves from the death that we find ourselves in towards a better day, towards a brighter future, towards a better me, towards a more peaceful anything. That, that's not happening. There's a lot of distractions. We'll talk about those, right? The world has a lot of distractions to offer that almost seem like the better way. But there's no true better self that's going to be happening. There's no improvement upon what is here. This is made to decay and fall away, right? I just want, I want all of us and all of our kids to know that, that this was designed to fail. I've said this before, you know, you take the Garden of Eden right from the beginning. The apple was thrown there. I read a thing the other day. It doesn't even mention the word apple, whatever the piece of fruit was. Uh, that piece of fruit was thrown there just to open our eyes to who we are. We had... God's in the business of revealing to us where we would take ourselves separate from his life. And, there, and what has to be growing is a hatred of that life and a, a loving, a desire, a desperate need uh, to be found in Christ. It's just, it just is about that black and white. white. And uh, there is no, um, there's no surroundings. There's no atmosphere. There's no economy. There's no friends. The, the best of things, the best of all those things, if you put yourself into the utopia for the soul, whatever you would consider that to be, none of our souls are going to find their way to light separate from simply falling upon God to be found in Christ. The, the life that was offered for us as an opportunity in the cross that was planned from the beginning of the earth, the place you were planned to be, until you start getting to that place and realizing your need to get to that place and calling upon God every morning to be uh, re-enlivened with help uh, from that life, uh, it's going to be bad news. And I want to read a scripture you all know, but this because this is what came to me and it's just it's said so well. I'm going to read it like you've never heard it. Uh, and I know you have Galatians six turn here. This is just. It's like Paul knew something. I'm just going to say that. It's like he knew a few things. It's, it's just, it's said so well. And this little verse has just been stamped on my forehead. I've just been stamping this, self, this for myself every day. <clears throat> Galatians 6.12. We'll start there. It's hard to know where to start with Paul because a lot, there's a lot running, but we'll get a little introduction. It says... As many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh, they constrain you to be circumcised, only lest they prefer or suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law, but desire to have you circumcised, that they may glory in your flesh. But God forbid that I should glory, 
save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I enter the world. He's building a little foundation, and here it is. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision. Neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision. There is only one thing that gets anything done, but a new creature. That is just such a fantastic synopsis. You want to go to the scale of circumcision, of law and righteousness and doing the best you can. You want to go to the scale of absolute liberty to do whatever you want. Neither of those things are going to get the job done. You know, we've had the blessing. I'm going to say it's the blessing of, of uh, I wrote down here, we've, we've tried here at Whitestone. We've tried the law and the law is needed. It is especially... Child raising is needed. I'm not going to dare not advocate the law. But we've done, we've done the law, and, and I actually look back at, at all the people that were here and what was coming was going on, and I see a purpose in that. I don't think God was asleep at the wheel. Uh, and now we're in, a, we're in a time of liberty, really. There's a lot, there's a lot of liberty, uh, and that's a great thing. Um, and that liberty uh, should be able to be used uh, for the right purpose, to discover... Uh, where you find yourself and, and, the, and the place of narrowing that you want to bring yourself into, right? But all the liberty and all the law, neither of those two things get the job done on all those scales. There's examples going through the whole scripture of, of getting the job done. Uh, the only thing that, that is going to avail, and that word avail means to be able to do, to have might, to prevail, to be of strength. <laughs> the things that you need for change, right? John Cheever said Christ was change, right? You remember that? I like that, I like that definition. It means change. I'm glad that I'm, going, I'm called to be a whole new creature and not just a better version of me. I'm just going to say that. Whole new creature. This creature is not okay. It just isn't okay. And improvements, you know, whatever they come up with DNA and all that, it's not okay. It, it is a new creature. That is... And, and what I want to say is it doesn't matter what atmosphere you wake up in, what state of mind. It doesn't matter what service. You're, I've said this a lot here. We are blessed to be surrounded with a lot of great things, right? I mean, I can tell you that when I was from 13 to 17, I had a blessing of going to other places and being in worship services. And I thought, what in the world is going on? I mean, I just was, you know, we weren't, keys were going all over. Things were happening. There was guitars, conflicting guitars. And I thought... And I had to learn that that's okay, right? I mean, just we're, what my point is, we're, we're blessed with, we're privileged to be surrounded with an atmosphere that enables you to be lifted up, right? That's, that's a good thing, right? Um, but that best atmosphere, you can arrive in that atmosphere and miss out on all the blessing of what the Lord has for you. If you're just there considering self, considering the life of self, self and what might have gone wrong and the anxiety of the week, you could be right, you know, you could be right there at the king's table and miss out on all the great things. I just want to say, there's no hope for the soul of man left to itself. I've been right there, and I'll say that on the days when everything isn't your way, when it's not your thing and it's not your song and it's not whatever, you know, if you simply, very simply, stop all that stuff and just say, Lord, what do you have for me right now? Everything changes. It doesn't matter what, you know, it doesn't matter what or who or where. Everything changes. The light turns on for me when I stop to say, Lord, you know what? I, I'm here and I'm not actually reaching in to get anything from the life of Christ. I know it's there. 
Lord, what do you have for me? This is what Brother Bill said this morning. There's got to be, um, there just isn't any help that way. There's, there is every avenue of help, of hope, of strength. And it changes like the light going on. I just, I've had that happen over and over again. I, I will just say that I have, I've never determined to reach in and gotten a stone for bread. That just hasn't happened to me. Have I had the Lord come flying down to answer every prayer right away? Absolutely not. I've had, you know, that's, that's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that everything about where you are in your state of mind to be, the Lord is wanting to extricate us from the plane of this world, from the plane, not just of this cosmos, but the love of, as David so clearly said, the love of our own world that we love to have, to extricate us to a whole new way of being. It just that's where God is going. And the only avenue of help is is for ourself. This is why. And we'll read this. But I just the phrase, uh, you know, the mercies of the Lord are new every morning. It's because he knew what we would need. I mean, thank God that his mercies are new every morning. I mean, you know, the mercies that I woke up with today really should be OK for the next year or so. But God knows that I'm going to need it. I'm going to need a reset tomorrow. Lord. I don't know. I know you worked with me yesterday and I know that you took me through the lesson again and I just blew it. And uh, I, it's a little embarrassing. No, it's entirely embarrassing, but I'm going to I don't really have any other option. The option of not asking for new mercies. That's a bad one. The option of quitting is a bad one. The only good option is to say, Lord, here I am again. This is what we call offering. Say it a different way. But here I am again. And you know what I need? I need some new life. I need to know that. Uh, you are working with me. I need, I need the influence of your spirit upon my life. And, and I want to be aware that where I'm going, where we are going, is to be in Christ. That's where you're headed. It, it, there, at some point, I might as well resolve that's where I'm headed. That's got to be the goal. You know, you, you want to set yourself, whatever it is, to become this or that. There's got to be a, a greater, um, just an agreement of our heart that we're going to go where the Lord wants to take us. You can fight it. That's fine. You know, we talked about Jonah. You know, I know it's a it's a romantic kind of story, but I don't think that being in the belly of a whale was that romantic. I don't you know, Jonah landed. He was spat out on the shore that God wanted to get to that. He got there. You know, I think if you were to talk to me, say, you know, I should have taken a different ship. Now, you know, I would I think that would have been a better ride. I don't know. I don't think there was candles in the ship. I don't think there was in the whale. I don't think there was a bench. And a little thing in a book. No, I think it was disgusting. What's that? I think there was a little table. There might have been a table. All the books I've ever seen, there was a table and tea. I don't know. I've caught some fish, and none of them smelled like that. I don't know. I'm just saying. I think that a whale's belly would have been awful. The Lord is going to get us where he's going to take us. There's no lack on his part, right? Um, but there really isn't... Um, I'm going to say the word emptiness. The Lord is uh, increasing... The scale of emptiness from my own life. That's that's a word that I've been finding. There's no newness of life in my own thing. That's what I'd like to say. There's new parties. You might find a new occupation for a while. I mean, this is and I totally understand, you know, being in school and just looking forward to the weekend. Those are, you know, there's fun things we look forward to. There's things through the year that are your favorite time of year. Maybe they're hunting. If they're not, I don't know what's wrong with you. I don't know. No, but there's things that you look forward to. Maybe it's the sales of Amazon. Maybe it's the flowers, the blueberries, as Dave said. Maybe for the other person, it's the, I don't know, the fresh vegetables, right? We talked about a lot of things. I love summer. Maybe it's the ski, skiing and snowboarding. There's a lot of things we look forward to, but there's no real newness of life. Right. 
to be offered in this cosmos. It's going to be a little of this and a little of that, but there's no getting, really getting anywhere of newness. There, there's emptiness at the end of the day. The Lord brings all those blessings are a part of what he does. They're exciting. But there is emptiness for the soul separate from the life of Christ. That's what I can say. That's what I have proven for myself. You know what there is left to myself? There's self-preservation. Self-preservation is just, I don't know that I've met anybody that wasn't, you know, just, it's a part of what we were designed to have to reveal to us where we're going to take ourselves separate to God. Self-preservation is one of the darkest things around. I mean, it's just built into humanity, right? The law of the jungle. I mean, I like watching big animal things, right? I mean, and you know, the bigger things with bigger teeth, eat the things below them, it just goes down the line. That's how it's all supposed to work, you know? And yeah, it's the food chain, you know? And you never really know who to agree with. They can, they, they can get you hooked on whoever it is, you know? Is it the lion? Is it the wildebeest? I could show you a different part of each of those lives if I showed you the wildebeest raising its calf with great effort, protecting it, and you saw a lioness coming in. All of us would immediately want the wildebeest to live. If I showed you the lioness fighting to raise her cubs, failing a hunt over and over, you'd want her to get a wildebeest. I mean, there's just, you know, the law of the jungle is just consummation of the greater power, right? There's just, self-preservation is just in this world. I read some things about, is it, called, is it a cuckoo bird? Is that the right way to say it, Grace? Oh, anyway, this bird, Grace, I'm telling your mom. Well, it's C-U-C-O, is it cuckoo? Okay, right on, so cuckoo, thank you, Don. These are some crazy birds. I don't, you know, I just kind of thought they were just kind of, you know, you hear the word cuckoo and you kind of think of it just a kind of a brainless sort of thing. We're talking about some of the smartest birds out there. You know, I know the raptors and all that, but <clears throat> these birds have their eggs and then you know what they do? They get someone else to raise their babies. Isn't that smart? I mean, that's good stuff. If you could drop your kid off with your neighbors and then not really know it was your kid, then you go back and get it later on. I don't know. I'm just saying this is a really, this is some serious thinking. I mean, this is, you know, I don't know. I don't know how this conversation goes. You get home, you know, hey, Thelma, you got an egg in the nest. What are you going to do? I don't know. It looks like a lot of work. You want to sit on it? No, I don't want to sit on it. How about you? No, I, you know what? I'm going to go get it with the neighbors and they can sit on it for a while. I mean, these things, and they wait for the birds to leave. They kind of watch what they're doing. They see when they're going to feed and then boom, drop their egg off. Sometimes not even the same color. I mean, the other birds, you got to say, they're not really very alert. I mean, what do you do when you ride back to the nest? Like, dude, Frank, I thought we had five eggs. There's six here. The sixth one is looking kind of strange. Any? Nope, I don't know. I don't know. Um, Okay, was that your side of the family? I don't know, but uh, we got to sit on the ace. I don't know. I don't know how this goes on. But I'm just telling you, this really happens. This is not a joke. And, and, they, uh, and they get other birds to raise their chicks. This is crazy. Guess what? It gets worse than this. Because when the, this little bird hatches, I just want to tell you about the depravity of the soul because it's shown in nature so clearly, even though birds are so beautiful. I've watched about six videos on this, and when you watch one, you start getting more of them, right? Because I was so blown away. I showed Megan, it was amazing. This little bird comes out, and you know, they look at the color in their mouth, right? Birds are just squeaking for food. They don't care about anybody else or anything. Feed me right now. I want the biggest worm you got right now, right? They're all are just shouting for food. Anyway, as soon as this little baby cuckoo bird gets strong enough, its eyes aren't opened, it doesn't have feathers, it looks like it could barely move, its feet are huger than the rest of its body. Do you know what it does? It starts pushing the other baby birds out of the nest. It hasn't had a class, it hasn't gone to any sort of schooling. I mean, what? 
This is bizarre. If you watch a video, you see this bird with this huge, pushing this other bird, the squawking, it doesn't have feathers, up over the edge of the nest working for an hour, over the edge it goes to its death. Mom comes home, we got five. I don't know, what happened to six one? No idea. This, I mean, this is what, this is just amazing to me that this, this thing is just born with an instinct to, it has no eyes. It has a head that looks like a strange dinosaur. It can't even see, and it's still pushing people out of the nest. This is, this is self-preservation on a high level. I mean, that's, so I know none of you are busy pushing people out of the nest, but what I want to say is, we were just born and designed to save our own skin, to make life, to take away the inconveniences of life. And you know, <clears throat> the cross, it comes right into play with all of those things. And you know, I can find that I don't need to work to try to make a way for myself. I just wake up thinking about making a way for myself. It's just how it goes, you know? You're just born to think about what's coming. You think very quickly about what might be a benefit to you, your favorite people, your favorite work, your favorite food, all those things, whatever. They're, they're literally, if you think about it, they're, the Lord, if he's doing his job, should be making it more and more clear to us the great emptiness, the great depravity, the great disgust of our own soul, separate from him, just the emptiness. And what I want to say is there should be some hope in that emptiness because what it should do is it should wake you up to realize, <clears throat> you know what, I've got to reach in to where I'm called to be going if there's any hope of being extracted from the plane of this world, I want to be getting a part of this thing. I want to be engaging with what the Lord is doing. And this is why we discuss growth, because it's the sooner that you start doing that, the sooner you can take part of what is available in Christ. It's just very simple. Those things are available to us in fullness right now. You know what I can say? I'm not there yet. Well, there's a problem. Where's the lack? The lack is not on God's part today on Wednesday for making provision for Gabe to take part of what's available in Christ. There's no lack there. There's no lack of him making it abundantly clear to me of where I need to be. The lack has got to be a, a yielding to, you know, this is why we use the word offering, a giving of myself to simply a choosing to reach in, to say, Lord, what is it that you have for me in this situation right now? What is it that you have for me in this job? What is it that you have for me in the current place I find myself in in my life? What is it that you have for me in the physical or mental struggle that I'm in? Lord, I want to get what you have for me in this because I must get a benefit of what is available to me in Christ. And this is why I, I won't have you turn here, but in Thessalonians, it just I said this the other day, but it says, But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that the day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all children of light and children of the day. This is why I love Gary Snow saying, there's a problem if you're looking around waiting for the great and coming day of the Lord that is a thing on the calendar out there, because we are the day of the Lord. That just, I listened to that on Sunday while I was doing my exercises, and I just, I can't get that out of my head. It's a different way of thinking about it. The day is what God is doing in a people. He is revealing, God's purpose is to reveal the life of Christ in people. That's what he's going to do. So it's going to happen because he knows how to bring it to pass. I want to be a part of that happening. There's no, the only way to not be a part of that is to quit on what God is doing. And God will, by his mercy, he'll drag us along. But there's no reason not to remain engaged with the purpose of God to become part of the day. Part of the day is just simply a change so little as 
being aware of the work of the Lord in your life. I just, I want to say, it doesn't matter what service, what gathering, what, what time, it, you know, in my computer, doing whatever. There just isn't, the job has to offer anxiety every day. It's going to be there. It doesn't, you know, everybody wants things done faster and sooner and better. That's their, the switch has got to be moving into a, a life of Christ. Turn to Job 42. We know this, but I want to read this because it's, it's really good. <clears throat> Job 42. Um, I want to say this, and I kind of said this a bit, you know, about tradition, because as I said, what I like about that, that passage that Paul says, you know, um, I, I think we change things up sometimes, which are good. You know, there's some traditions that need to go, and there's some traditions that are good, but... You know, it really isn't, it really isn't the tradition. It, you know, the form, no matter what form it is, as soon as you separate the life from whatever tradition it is, that's called form. Form is just tradition without life. And, and any tradition that, is, that has the working of the life of Christ in it, that's not form. That's called life. It's just, it's that, I don't... I don't know where I'd go or wherever I would be a part of. There's going to be a form or a tradition or something that's going on. What matters a great deal is that whether mixed in with that is life. Coming to breakfast, you know, it's a thing we do. We've been coming at 7 since I was 4. It's great. You know, breakfast sometimes is just hard getting out of bed. You know, it's just, it can seem kind of like what's the use, all those things. You know, I'm blessed. I've been blessed by some of the things that have been shared from the heart. The whole day changes when the form is injected with a little bit of, okay, I want to have, what, what, is, what is going on here? What is, what, is at, what is the option with the tradition of what we're doing right now? Maybe it's going up in the boat, maybe. But the whole tradition is taken out of form when we suddenly involve life into that thing. It doesn't matter what it is. It's like any special meal, the difference of a special meal, like our Thanksgivings, all those things that are special, is become with an expectation of something different. Sitting in the same chairs with the same table. You can change the china, that's fine. But it's an expectation of what's going to happen. Changes the entire atmosphere. Engaging the Lord, the influence of the Spirit of God in my life, in the day of my life, in a greater way than I'm engaging with contracting or sales, whatever you're doing, changes the whole game. It takes, it takes sitting at the desk or working in the kitchen or being at the barn or whatever you're doing. God is... He is going to wear out the excitement of all of those things. That's what I like to say. You could do a new occupation every year. God is committed to wearing out the self-sustaining life of those things, as fun as they seem, to bring purpose. And what I like to say is that when, when you are engaged, when you are yielding to, when you are aware of what the Lord is doing, you could do the same job your whole life and it could be new every day. It really, it's... You know, I look back, I read even back through America at factory workers. I do not know how, like, I, I think I would die within a week standing at the same position doing the same thing. Like, I look at some of these people in other countries, like, sewing something on or putting the same nut on the same part 3,000 times. I'm like, where's the robot? I mean, like, I don't even, I mean, you know, people had to do it for a living. You look at World War II, a lot of the women... Sorry, guys. We're able to stand in a position and do a better job for day after day after day faster. And the industrial revolution of America was just done by people that were just desperate to give money to their family. 
going to, they were thankful to have a job. You know what? I'm going to screw the same C-17 nut on this thing 222,000 times. Glad to have a job. I can't even imagine working in a factory. I have an amazing job. Like, just the sameness all of that. But it doesn't matter what you're doing. Maybe you like sewing, and I think that's the most boring thing. Maybe, you know, we all have different things. Maybe you, maybe I'm not a good cook in the kitchen, you know, all those things. Maybe, you, you know, you look at other people's jobs and it's crazy, but... The Lord has to reveal to us the sameness and the, the lack of self-producing life and all of those things to, to a point where we realize, really start to become persuaded. I'd like to say I'm fully persuaded, but I know that I'm not because some things, I'd be further along in some things. But he does want us to be fully, fully persuaded that there is no sourcing of life in the world of self. As much as we love it, as David said, there's a lot to love about our world. You were just born liking to eat what you eat and doing the things that you do that are fun. And I cannot understand some things that are fun to other people. I've tried, you know, no. But it doesn't matter. There's only one source of life. And if you look here at what Job says, this is just, we've read this before, but it's just said so completely. After the Lord takes Job through, I mean, as, I don't know, as David or, you know, Job's here offering to the Lord for things that might happen, right? They haven't even happened yet, but that might happen. Then Job answered, this is, I won't read you what, you know, Elihu says and all this. And Job finally is getting what the Lord wants to have and some severe things. I mean, I know that nobody here has had a day like Job. I know some of you have had some very bad days, but nobody has had a day as bad as Job. And it says, I know that thou canst do everything and that thou that no thought can be withholden from thee. This is Job finally coming to a beginning to the place where the Lord wants him to be. Who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? Therefore have I uttered that I understood not. Uh, man, I think back on some of the comments I've had about what the Lord is doing in my life or what he's doing in somebody else's life that I thought should change. I can read this with real conviction. Therefore have I uttered. <laughs> I... Wow, so many things <clears throat> that I understood not. Things too wonderful for me, which I knew not. Lord, I've said some things that I should not have said and didn't know what I was talking about. Here I beseech thee, and I will speak. I will demand of thee and declare thee unto me. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. Man, the Lord, <clears throat> nobody but the Lord can really make you see about yourself what you need to see. And man, when you see what you need to see, the whole world changes and you are suddenly finally dealing with what the real issue is. It's like all the subterfuge, your closest friends can be. And, and we and I'm so thankful for that. We we give input, we give input, we give input. Right. And when you finally maybe settle down to say, Lord, what I bumped into these people and they're kind of all saying this to me. Only the Lord opens your eyes to realize man, that this is what must go. Wherefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. It's like Job finally started to realize what the Lord was after. Like, does it take all that? You know, I guess so. Does it really take all that? Like, maybe the first, the news from the first servant would have been enough. You know, like, hey, excuse me. I know you got a meeting going on, but the meeting has just arrived. You know, all the camels. I mean, just some big things happened in a row. Like, you know. Really ridiculous, kind of like the 10 plagues, sort of ridiculous. You know what I mean? Like nothing that we've had floods. We've had the power plant burn down, but we haven't had like the power plant burn down and all the cows die and the river flood and us lose all our jobs in one day. Like that's that's a different level, right? Job, it just 
Thank you, Lord, that he knows what it takes for you and for me. Yeah, the Internet. Well, that that might do it. That might be that would do it. Yeah. We now say of our customers, you know, you being without water, without heat at 40 below. Those are bad things. When the Internet goes down, everything needs to get fixed right now. You know, use different different things. I can live without the toilet, but not the Internet. Um, they're just um, only but the Lord knows the specific thing that is needed for you to realize your desperate level of need to become new, not to become better, to be to be uh, to become uh, a part of a life that the Lord is doing throughout the world that are people. I mean, there is no other more exciting thought than that. I don't you know, it just and there's no media pushing that line. I mean, the media pushes all the great things, but it just it's incredible to have that option. I want to say a little thing about the, the human body, because it's interesting, you know, we know this, all of our cells are constantly regenerating, right? Almost all of our cells. It says the human body is composed of about 37 trillion cells. That's a lot of cells. Writing that on the board would take a long time, just that number. Um, and, and do all of the cells in your body really regenerate? They're talking about how often. The answer is yes and no. While it's true that your cells regenerate on average every seven to 10 years, there's a lot of variation. Your skin cells, for example, are replaced every few weeks. In fact, here's a great fact that some of you like me that have OCD issues are gonna really love. You lose close to 500 million skin cells every day. You know what clogs filters in houses? Skin cells. Just throwing that out there. Let's share some. Anyway, <clears throat> so each of you have shed about 100 million since you've been sitting here. Okay, uh, that's just a fact of life. Uh, cells in your skeletal muscles, on the other hand, take as long as 15 years to regenerate. Some of your cells are, so far, are not able to regenerate, like spinal cord, which is why spinal cord injuries uh, are challenging, right? They're working to do that. Um, I'm getting to a point here about cancer cells, right? You know where I'm going with this. It used to be accepted the, the adult brain cells were not able to heal themselves. Yeah, I've, I, I will leave that alone. I've seen some of the struggle with that. More recent findings, however, have shown encouraging signs that brain cells may be capable of regrowth. A 2020 study found that after an adult experiences a brain injury, cells revert to a less mature state. And as we know, multiple injuries to the head are proving to be not a great thing. Um, okay, as we age, our cells stop dividing as often. And as we get older, our cells start dying and there may not be enough new cells to create the replace dead ones. To just physically live, there's a constant regeneration of cells. It's amazing things. <clears throat> cells must be able to die for new to replace them. Cancer cells, this is what's amazing, lose the molecule on their surface that keeps them in their right place. Cancer cells ignore the signal that tells them they need to self-destruct, and so they never die. That, I liked reading it that way because if you consider holding on to your own life, you know, I mean, this is just a cancer cell says, nope, I'm not going to die. And so a tumor, more and more of them recreate. You know, they have lost the molecule on the surface of their cell that says, this is the time to die. You know, those signals come in very gentle ways every day to us. You know, Gabe, this is the thing that I was talking about. This, this is the opportunity, if you didn't know, uh, this is the opportunity to die right here, you know. Don't say it. <laughs> Whatever it is, right? Don't have the reaction. <clears throat> and it's not a matter of resolve. It's a matter of yielding to say, Lord, you got me. I have been in this condition. I've been here enough times. 
I don't want to remain here. I want to be made new. I want to have the opportunity of taking part in the new creature. The option is to be a cancer cell, you know? Holding on to your own life, we can say it different ways. You, you know, uh, you forsake your own vanity. You're, I mean, you forsake your own mercy by holding on to vanities. You, you forsake the growth that can happen by those things. Those are, those are what remain. Uh, the cross brings about the awareness in our heart of the things that we must let us get let go of, and there and there's got to be a thankfulness for that work. I was uh, <laughs> I was listening or reading. I don't remember if I read this or watched it, but you guys all know. Um, is it Steve Harvey? Is he the talk show host, the black guy, Steve yeah. Harvey? Anyway, he he was dieting, um, and he has he has changed a lot of of. His, got himself in shape, but he, he paid a lot of money, which most of us don't have, to get a dietitian to just run his life. Anyway, he was, he was talking to her and he said, you know, <laughs> he said, I, I was eating all these things. I wrote the quote down somewhere, but he's like, uh, everything you gave me, we had to take the gluten out of those things. And he said, I learned one thing. If you take your food and you prepare it and you take all the gluten out, the first thing you need to do is put the gluten right back into the food because that's what makes it delicious. <laughs> it was so funny. <laughs> So that was the one thing that he learned about this diet, is to put it right back in. Anyway, he said, I found that everything that you had me eat that didn't have any gluten needed to have the gluten put right back in. It didn't taste right. Hard, dry, flavor-free crackers and sawdust sandwiches. <laughs> but I noticed that you, he's telling this to the, who, this lady, she looks just like what you think of a good dietitian, right? Just a Nazi dietitian. Will eat anything that is good for your body because you don't have any taste buds. <laughs> so funny to me. He said, this is the line I get to, he said, I on the other hand am a slave to my taste buds. <laughs> I just love that line. <laughs> you know what happens separate from the working of the spirit in your life? You are really nothing more than a slave to your taste buds. You can have grand taste buds. You can have soda, you know, and junk food taste buds. It doesn't matter, whatever they are, you know. High-class taste buds, low-class taste buds, you know. Some of you people mix your food. I don't understand. Low-class taste buds, that's fine, you know. Um, that was a joke for my wife. Um, but uh, it doesn't matter if you keep your food separate like you should or you mix it or whatever you eat. But, um, you know, there, to be delivered from the body of being a slave to those things, I want to be a part of that. I don't want to go through life being a slave to the desires of the soul, to the taste buds of my life. That, that is what you call emptiness, right? It says he will bring leanness to the soul. That's, that's, the Lord brings leanness so we go running to the right place for help, right? I mean, it just, if you're gonna go down that trail, you're, const, you're signing up to look for something new all the time. You gotta work to make money, to buy something new, to get a better car, to get a better house, to stay up with the Joneses. That's the cycle of nature, to be a slave to your taste buds. There's emptiness and there's anxiety serving your own soul. And separate from God, there are people that do it very well. There's amazing people. We look at examples every day that do it very well, you know, that seem to be very happy. But I've talked to some of those people that make loads of money. And the more you talk to them, you realize there's an emptiness to the soul. There really isn't. Like I said about Donnie Huddleston, he's got more opportunity. He's in charge of a lot of things. He's being hosted by other companies. He's got... but. 
He sits down and halfway through a conversation, Donnie Holliston is around to talking about the Lord in his life. It's, it's that he's from South Carolina and he says, and I don't know these people, they have problems because I just don't have Jesus in their life. I mean, like you just, this guy, he'll talk about this with all the people, the missile field. He doesn't care. He just, you know, like he's the, he's, he just breaks every, every border of control, which he's allowed to do, but I love it. But he just, this is a guy, all those things are happening that seem, you know, missile defense of the United States. He's sitting in the war room. He said he can sit there and they watch he said he was in the, a couple weeks ago watching them in North Korea refuel their rockets. Uh, we watching everybody, you know. He's like, we watch Russia. We know when they're moving them, when they're refueling them. There's no secrets out there, you know. But but what he's excited talking about is what Jesus is doing in my life. It's just amazing, you know. He talks about the people that works him. He's serving his work wife, and I told my wife, I'm so glad she's not my work wife because can't handle her. He's really funny. But the things of purpose are not the things of work. I mean, that, that's just where it's at. And, I, and the Lord brings us into those things. Turn to Colossians 3. We are, we are headed for a close. And I'm, I'm, again, I'm here to just remind you that the days are going to offer anxiety and searching to escape any, any other lack of peace until we, we say, Lord, uh, I want the day to change into something totally different because... I am taking part of the new creature. That is just, it changes everything. When you bump into someone that has had a bad day and you see that their, their attitude isn't ruined by it, you know, I, like, I really respect that. Their, their, being, their soul is not being run by what happens. That's a challenge. The Lord knows that. The Lord knows that when my day goes to, I don't do just singing and thanking God for things to go bad. I like things to go right. I like the day to go well. I like the job to go well. But the Lord brings those things around. He brings the leanness to our soul. He brings the sameness of what we do. He brings the sameness of tradition or whatever it is so that we wake up every day and we say, Lord, I, I need to run to you again today, all over again, because I don't want the day to be the same as yesterday. I want to have newness. In Colossians 3, verse 9, it says, Lie not to one, one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian or Scythian, bond or free. Take all of the extremes in the world, whatever they are. But Christ is all and in all. This is just the only way towards real life is to get engaged with that purpose. It is, it is the, way, the only way to escape the depravity of this world is to take part of this life. And I'm not going to have you turn here, but it's, if you look in Lamentations, it just goes on and on about all the things that, you know, I'm the man that has seen affliction, you know. Surely my flesh and my skin, you've made old, you've broken my bones, you know, you've built it up against me, you, you know, you've set me in a dark place and all of that. And, and I shout and cry, you shut up my, I shout, you shut up my prayer. You've been unto me as a bear lying in wait, you know, he's like, but then like, what is the purpose in what the Lord does? Because he comes around to the purpose of what's happening. Remembering my affliction and my misery, the wormwood, the gall, remembering where I've been, the anxiety of all this, my soul has still, hath them still in remembrance and is humbled in me. This I recall to mind, therefore I have hope. There's gotta be a hope that has grown out of the things that the Lord is taking you through. Because he doesn't take us through five minutes of any of those things more than we need to be in to 
to fully persuade us of the depravity of this, of our own slaving to our own taste buds. It just, he doesn't waste time. This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. This is the great line. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. I don't know what else to say, but thank you, Lord, your compassions fail not. They are new every morning. I just, I cannot say that line enough. Like, what other, what other being, what other force, what other capacity, what other creation, there's nothing else. There's no, the nicest person in the world doesn't have new mercies every morning for you. They just don't. You know, there's going to come a time when they're like, okay, this is time, you know, you're out, you know. <laughs> His compassions fail not. It's a darn good thing. It's a good thing he knows us. Oh, it's not just that he knows us. He created us. It's like we have to be aware of the God that we're dealing with that isn't exasperated. And he isn't at a loss for the, for the failings of our own heart. He knows they're there. We're the ones that don't know they're there. We're, we're created to have these failings. I mean, I'm disgusted with my amount of failures. I should, you know, fire myself a hundred times over for where I've known what to do and haven't done it. Because I'm totally incapable of doing those right things, of making those right choices, outside of the new creature. Incapable. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in Him. That is just fantastic. It doesn't matter what the most tender little baby bird you find is going to be pushing the other bird out of the nest. It just... Creation by itself is made to just preserve self. That's what it is. You know what I mean? That's just, it's just the way it goes. I'm going to read. This is, I know you guys have heard a little bit by Sparks, but this is said so well. I've got to read this. And you're going to have to endure me. It's very, very condensed. And then we're going to read one scripture and that's it. So hold on. Christ is not a second personality or power to come along to reinforce us. I love that. He just says things differently. He's not come along to make me better. Destruction of the old is what God is after. You know what I mean? This is just great. And that he should make us something. That is not the thought. That is not the angle of Scripture at all. And yet, how almost universally, universally, perhaps largely unconsciously, that is what is happening. Christians are wanting to be made something. You know, workers and the Lord's servants, perhaps unwittingly wanting to be something as workers, wanting Christ to reinforce them, to come behind them. To make them his servants in his service. Like, it's just, everybody wants to be something. You know what I mean? Like, you can say, I want to be nothing, but really, you know? The truth is that Christ shall be all, and that we decrease, that he may increase. And that he may be the primary personality, and that the impact and registration of any life and of any service should not be, what a good man was he, or what a good woman was she, what a fine worker what a presence of Christ. None of these things. It should be, what is Christ? Our hearts are set upon God, having that which is holy of himself. And that means I crucified. He just talks about the nature of Christ. It just, the Lord is not in the business of bringing us up here at Waystone to become something, to get to be better. To, we have been, the Lord's blessing us. We're going we're gonna to learn to be better. All, all of you guys are going to, Grow up that are young and learn to do better things. That's not the point. The Lord fills, absolutely fills what you're doing with purpose if you're giving your life to Him. But He isn't at work to make us better in those things. He's at work to make us something totally different. He's at work to bring forth a family that is an image of Christ. That's what God is doing. 
And that's what I need to be on page with. We're going to read in Jeremiah. <clears throat> I just love how he says this. Christ is not a second personality to come along to reinforce who we are. I, was, I wrote down here, the worst thought that I could have is being myself for the rest of eternity. <laughs> Just staying the way you are for eternity, that's what I'd call living hell. Uh, anyway, so we want to go to... Oh, it's a great... This is, I think, um, Jeremiah 32... I didn't even paste it. We're just going to end here in Jeremiah. I think it's Jeremiah 32. I love this. And I think someone read part of this the other day. Because it just says it so well. <clears throat> uh, yep. It's Jeremiah 32. Um, in verse 36 it says, And now therefore saith the Lord concerning the city. He talks about, you know, what he did with the people of Israel because it was very thorough where he gave them into captivity, right? And basically destroyed them. Concerning the city, wherever you said it shall be delivered into the hand of the king of Babylon by the sword, by famine, by pestilence. Behold, I will gather out of all these countries whither I have driven them in mine anger and my fury and in great wrath. And I will bring them again unto this place and I will cause them to dwell safely. And they shall be my people and I will be their God. And here it is. And I will give them one heart and one way that they may fear me forever and for the good of them and of their children after them. And I will make an everlasting covenant with them that I will not turn away from doing them good. But I will put my fear in their hearts that they shall not depart from me. Yea, I will rejoice over them to do them good and I will plant them in this land with my whole heart and my whole soul. And he goes on to say, I'll put a new spirit and a new heart in you. There should be a thankfulness in our hearts that the Lord is the one at work, no matter what we feel. Really, no matter what you feel. And maybe you feel the way you feel. I won't say maybe. Generally, you feel the way you feel by the design of the Lord to get you to that place. God is going to give us a new heart. And I am so thankful that I'm not getting a bypass or a, you know, uh, another operation. I'm getting a full replacement of the heart that I have um, that really was created to save my own skin, to make things better for myself, to work to get better, to be better, to try harder, uh, <clears throat> to be able just to wake up with a smile on my face. I really appreciate people smiling in the morning far than any other thing. But it has to be sourced from a life that comes from above. It's the only way out of the pit of our own life. And God himself, uh, in his mercy... Part of his compassions that fail not is that he lets us walk through the valley of the shadow of death until we get tired of taking ourselves there and really call upon him. Part of his mercies that fail not are taking us through those things so that we can actually see what he already knows about ourselves and really call upon him. The one thing that you can do is you, can, you cannot quit asking him to turn. I have resolved to change habits over and over and over again with fail, but don't fail turning to the Lord, no matter what you feel about the day, no matter what you feel about the job, no matter the emptiness of your soul, don't fail to return to the one who is at work to give you a new heart. Amen.